should you decide to accept it. Lotus Plaza, Boogie Action in the District. It's uh, 2012 album primarily by Lockett Plundit of, of Deer Hunter fame. That's, um, I swear, that name yeah. is like not... That's a... Lock one. It, it's like a... It's like... That's his real name? I, I didn't look at Lockett his Wikipedia. Plundit. I, if I it's think a, I looked at his Wikipedia. I, I don't know it, that um, I cared. If it's I pronounce a, it punt, like bunt punt, game, but with a P. Punt? Yeah. It's pun, pun, Listen, punting? It's Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> punt. Georgia. Yeah. Lotus. Lockett punt. I mean, at this point, yeah. at this point, I would believe that Brian Kemp stole Lockett Punt's name before he could get it, so they had to give him Lockett Punt. Could be. Okay. So, in in terms of the the deer hunter um, oeuvre, right? Like this fits in just before Monomania comes out. So this album's being released about the time they're recording Monomania for release in 2013, and it is post Halcyon Digest, which is pretty amazing album that I think I absolutely hated at first. It's also post Atlas Sound Parallax. I, yeah, I think it, it just right. Yeah, well, Parallax was. I, I want to say it came out Parallax around the same time, if I'm remembering correctly. I think it came out a year before Halcyon Digest. Oh really? Right? Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Quick Wikipedia I, check. I think so. Because Wikipedia I, check. I felt like there was some overlap in the sound there, which is pretty hilarious. Because they're like yeah. the two different. Forces and Deer Hunter. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Parallax is the is the deer. What's his name? At, at Lasound. It's Bradford. Bradford. Yeah. Bradford. Yeah. So yeah, this is where this sits in the larger picture of these things. Um, so spooky action at a, at a distance. By the way, t- title. Yeah. yeah. I did not know this because I'm not a reader of. Einstein or quantum mechanics, but it's apparently referring to something that Einstein said about how the nature of, in quantum mechanics, basically a particle can be observed as a particle, but also observed as a wave at the same time. And I guess apparently Einstein was uncomfortable with the dualism, so he he called this phenomena of being observed in, as two sets or different things at the same time as spooky action at a distance. So it's literally an Einstein reference. I feel right. like Lockett Pine would do like exactly that kind of thing. You just look at the name and you think it's like some dumb shit. Like, no, actually, joke's on you, that's Einstein. So Lush, uh, a shoegaze band from the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, have an album called Spooky, and at first I thought maybe it was a reference to that. And then I looked it up. So, thank you, research. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. Imagine that. 2021, people. uh, Just look some shit up. Yeah. So, I I think... So, I really like Deer Hunter. I do. I've never listened to anything Deer Hunter put out as much as I've listened to this particular album. It is right in the pocket of, like great little like fills and riffs on the guitar with just the right amount of like reverb chorus and like simple lyrics 
it's forlorn and moody, but there's a brightness. Like, this is one of those albums, if I have to fly somewhere by myself, this is on my, like, playlist for flying in the plane, walking around an airport by myself. This is perfect for that. Yeah. Then, yeah. The first I heard of it, I didn't even know it existed until uh, Toma turned me on to it. I guess it would have had to have been like 2012, 2013. I'm going to guess like 2013. Somewhere in that vicinity, yeah. It, after 2012, for sure. It came out in 2012. But it's always hard to tell how far after. Yeah. But it's fantastic. And I'm glad I heard it after Halcyon Digest because... It needed time for that album to settle in to my brain before I could really enjoy it. And if I would have heard this, like, like, yeah, if it would have been closer for those two albums, I might have just gone, ah, fuck it, Deer Hunter's Dead. This is amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So, yeah. Alonzo or Toma? Yeah, Jenny, go ahead. I was just—I I have a little, a little quote from Bradford Cox that has, like, literally every time I come back across it, it tickles me all over again. So, I, and I think it's important context for this too. So, somebody at one point, I think, had asked Bradford Cox, like, why, and maybe not directly, but like the—I guess the implication was like, why are so many of the Deer Hunter songs yours? And from time to time, we'll see like a song of Lockett's, but it seems like definitely there's a lot of times where like you're doing the heavy lifting. And his answer was basically like, listen, and I've read this often enough that this isn't a direct quote, but it's pretty close. I'm gonna be about 90% spot on here. Mm. And he was basically like, listen, I would love it if Lockett would write some more songs. I, that would make my day. I wish he would. Everything that he writes is amazing, and I would love to have more of his songs on our albums, but Lockett only writes as much as Lockett writes, and so I gotta fill the space, and that's why y'all are stuck with my shit. And here's a little story to illustrate what I mean. He's arguably the best song that Deer Hunter ever made. Would it surprise you to know that I wasn't even in the room when it happened? They were trying to record Desire Lines, and I guess whoever the, I forget if it was like the sound person or the engineer, whatever, producer, somebody was just like, listen, after a while, they were like, listen, Bradford, you're obviously not happy with what I'm doing here. Why don't you just take a little break, drive around the block, like whatever you need to do, let's just let us do our thing. And like, when you come back, if you really hate it, then we'll scrap it, but just let's see what we can do. And he's like, and so I did, I left. Like I left like for a while and I came back the best song that has ever been written and recorded of Deer Hunters and I literally was not in the room and so he was basically just I, I think that's like the funniest story I've ever heard and it's very on brand for Bradford Cox to just be like listen I would love to have some more but this is what we get so I think it's in, in sometimes I'm reminded about that and the fact that oh but then we got a whole album of Locket Punk songs basically mm-hmm. it's like here they were. It's interesting because like, I feel like these songs are not Deer Hunter songs. Like, no. at all. And maybe this is just more his, his like, kind of sound and his sort of individual personal vibe. And I get it. Like, when you collaborate with other people, not everything that you want to do, and oftentimes most things that you want to do are not the things that actually end up happening. But... 
if you collaborate well, like everyone brings something to the table and it's like, it becomes a beautiful thing that no one person could have done. Sometimes you gotta, it's obvious that Deer Hunter is like Bradford's band. So at the end of the day, and so, yeah, you could be like, yeah, I wish other people would step up, but at the same time, it's, it's your thing. Like would Deer Hunter exist without Bradford? Yeah, I think that I think he said it more in the. He always sounds sassy. It doesn't matter what Brad Cox says. He <laughs> always sounds sassy. But I think it was really meant to be complimentary. You yeah, know? got like, it. Yeah, I really wish I could have more great songs. No, uh, Lockett's doing Lockett. So, so I. But I, it's I, also weird because I don't think that. Um, I don't know. To me, Atlas Sound has its own. It doesn't sound exactly like Deer Hunter to me either. It's like right. know, the two of them by yeah. themselves, I think, are distinct units. But, yes, uh, for sure. Man, yeah. they, do, they do great together and separately. I love all three. Yeah, you were talking about the, the way Desire Lines was recorded. This was apparently the, the producer on this is, is Deer Hunter's sound engineer who apparently had a studio in like Detroit that they ducked out to, to record this album. And I haven't listened to the Floodlight Collective as much, which was- I like it. first album. I, I have really enjoyed what I've heard of it. It, I think there's just too many earworms on this album that like without really spending like this dedicated time to it, yeah. I haven't freed up the brain space to pay much attention to it because so often I want to hear um, like bits and pieces of this. Yeah, this it's is fuzzier, and and so I, I think yeah. it makes perfect sense that like Alonzo that it's a little slightly more your speed maybe. Okay, this is my favorite song on the record. Uh, what we're listening to right now, Black Buzz. Black Buzz. And this sounds a little bit more like the first record to me. Yeah. It's a little spacier. There's a little bit more kind of a dynamic range of what the songs look like. So one of the things, just randomly, one of the things I noticed when I was listening to the record was like, I use, I use like my, I use an app on my phone to listen to the record and it visual, it visualizes the sound waves, like just very little kind of just from beginning to end visualize the sound waves. And what was really interesting about this record was like most of the songs, it's, it's exactly the same. (laughs) Basically it's like, Fade in, same sort of stuff, fade out. And I think that is the heart of what I f- like feel about this record is that like I picked like six different songs for my cut. I like and I rewarded the six songs that I felt like did the most stuff. So for me the six songs I picked were the songs that they, it wasn't just like that it was an earworm, but they like tried to do a little bit more. There was a little bit more dynamism in their sound. And for me, I don't know, man, I have so many thoughts and feelings. Like for me, this brought back it to me. It sounds like a very like shoegaze, uh, dream pop. I, I, wa- I don't want to use all these jargon words, but basically like the My Bloody Valentine sound from the early 90s. Also, the kind of gothy, jangly rock sound from the 80s, stuff like the Cocteau Twins and like The Cure, things like that. There was a lot of stuff there that the sound reminded me of. And I love My Bloody Valentine. It's like one of the, to me, it's like one of the touchstones of what I 
love about music. And I remember the very first time I heard my boy Valentine, and it was in college. It was in my, the guy, one of the guys that lived next door to me, this guy, Andy Carr, shout out to Andy Carr. He had this like enormous CD collection. He had so much stuff I'd never listened to. And I remember when he played my Billy Valentine and just blew me away. And it's just a sound that I'd never heard. We're definitely going to listen to some of that in the, in the after party. Good. And it, it was just like, it, it was such a mind-blowing experience. I was like, wow, music can do this. It can feel like this. And what was weird, it, it was like what I had heard before that was closest to that was probably stuff that the Smashing Pumpkins had done. And it's like when I heard that, I was like, oh, I think this is what the Pumpkins were trying to like invoke in some kind of way, in a similar way. And so for me, like, this stuff sounds amazing. It sounds so cool and it's kind of wide open. And But on this record, I just felt like, I just, I don't know. I just didn't think, I didn't get, like, all the songs sounded pleasant. And I rewarded the ones that I felt stuck out a little bit more than the others. But they all sounded sounded nice. Yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. There's a consistency through this album that it can seem a little redundant. Like, I've heard this tone before. I've heard this progression before. I've heard, like, this exact kind of, like, vocal arrangement on other songs. But... So I see what you're saying with My Bloody Valentine, but for me, like, this doesn't really carry on that, like, wall of sound that Kevin Shields produces in My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. This feels a little bit more, like, directed and stripped down than what that is. Mm -hmm. The thing that I think about a lot with this, this album in particular, like, the Floodlight Collective, what I've heard of that is a little bit more in my bloody Valentine range because there's this like extra layer that's played over what I've listened to. It's a little bit album. wider open too. It's, there's a lot more yeah. gaps in the sound and a bigger sound. Yeah. This stuff is this stuff makes me think of I guess not later pumpkins now. Is it middle pumpkins? <laughs> the stuff that comes after the stuff that comes after melancholy. Or and This makes me think of Adore a lot in that, like, angelic, clean tones that he gets for the guitar fills through it. The vocals, they're a little bit more on the Elliott Smith side a little bit, where it's, like, this kind of, like, minor key, like, depressed sound to his vocals. And there's another piece of it that is hard to, it's hard to put my finger on. So it's, I, I it's hear a component of that stripped down nature. I hear okay. So one of the things when I was listening to it first was like I hear like what Kurt Vile sounded like around this time, and like maybe a little bit less folky and a little bit more, like, a little bit more really rock. War on drugs or something. Yeah, war like on the, drugs. Like the war on drugs versus Vile, where it's a little bit more blue collar rock. Yeah, exactly. So I hear that too, but. So what make what I make the connection with the, my Billy Valentine is the vocals, which it's so reverby and hard to make out what he's saying, and also muddy and down in the mix, and also more of another musical instrument than really vocals with lyrics and things like that. 
And then the other thing was all the, all the overtones that you hear in the guitar work, which yeah. my Blade Valentine just distorted the fuck out of them and layered them so much. But to me, that's like the... Those are the direct kind of connections I, I make. I don't think there's anything on here without an effect, effects pedal, like, as part of the loop. Yeah. Like, I think there's reverb and chorus in his vocals. I think there's reverb, chorus, delay, like, flange on the guitar. But it doesn't feel like it's just cranked. And while I get that he there's a mumble to the way he sings, I disagree with the, like the hard to understand piece. I think he, his vocals are still like very clear and maybe down in the mix, but yeah, I don't, it doesn't hit me as like that washed out vocal that my bloody back. I, I didn't, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't hear any lyrics. Like sometimes we'll listen to stuff and there'll be like a line that sticks out. Like you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Or that's funny or that's interesting or whatever. If you think about Jason Molina or Devo, I don't know. There's a lot of like stuff we've listened to on this pod where, and again, maybe the lyrics are genius, but I wouldn't fucking know because nothing like none of that stuff like, (laughs) like, none of that stuff just popped out in any way. They're not, but it also like I'm laughing because I actually I think I agree with everything that's been said, (laughs) but I don't find it problematic because it is the vocals are like another instrument, but like Mm -hmm. I'm in this. It. That's all vocals could be just like in the background as an instrument. I'd be a happy fucking <laughs> And the lyrics are not necessarily, they're a lot like Lockett's style. They're like vague. It's a lot like the, the sound on this. It's they're vague. You're not really sure exactly what's going on. You get the general, you know, gist of what's up. But it's not like telling a very explicit story or anything like that. It's all like generalities and terms and, you know, and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. But, so you're not actually really missing that much by not knowing what the lyrics are because like they really aren't saying that much. <laughs> yeah, the, in, the instrument fine. is I definitely like, the more important. Yeah, it's, It reminds me of, in some ways, do you guys remember Sigur Ross from back in the day? It would have been like early aughts, mid aughts. Yeah. And so they, they, they had an album where they basically sung almost all the songs in this made up invented language. And yeah. is it is it the one with the baby like the baby angel on the cover? I can't remember what the cover was, but yeah, you get, like look the at this reunion. I think was that. Yeah, album? yeah. I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. And yeah. I think part of the thing was right is, is that they were not they were looking to communicate a mood. I remember reading some interview where they were like, "Look, like we thought this would be a cool way to speak to the world, and 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 really, it's more about setting the mood and." the voice is a musical instrument type of thing, which I, I respect that. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. That's cool. To me, that, well, go ahead. I don't think that everyone should do this. I don't think this is a thing that like just anybody could pull off because I think yeah. if you aren't good enough at, at making an atmosphere, then it falls real flat. It oh, just yeah. becomes obvious that you like lack some songwriting ability or a voice. I, the only reason why I think it works here is just because Lockett is so good at creating like a, an atmosphere with the sound. If he wasn't, then I'd be like, I wouldn't so be the same. It, it's, yeah. If you look at country and like blues, right? It's not to say that there aren't different instruments, and especially country music has just gone through all these different phases with different instruments, different arrangements, different instrumentation. But if you're not saying something in the song, no. you're, you have a crap country song. Because it's like basically yeah, yeah. the same three chords, the same licks, the same stuff. Like, 
more, more often than not, the same arrangements, the same instruments. So, like, you better be saying something, right? Like, it better be catchy or interesting. You're making an, an insight. It's, it's, a, it's a, I think it's a Merle Haggard song, Mama Tried. I don't know if you guys ever heard that song, but it's not very different from any other Merle song except, or any other country song from around that time. But the whole premise of it is he's singing it from jail and he's saying, Mama tried to make me good. Look at what a piece of shit I am. <laughs> and it's like, it's good. It's a compelling story. Like you're there, you're listening to it for that more than anything else, I would say. Yeah. Whereas, whereas this, it, none of that makes any difference. It's really just like the tone and the atmosphere and the vibe and yeah. that's why i say this is a great did anybody do any traveling this three-week period and listen to this in a car like driving down the highway i listened to this in the car uh, driving the kids to school they i'm going to tell you that the kids vote does not count on this pod but kids opinion like kid, kids did not care for it it's uh, really interesting because good. like the stuff they dig or and the stuff they don't uh-huh. are it's really sometimes hard to predict like that's they, funny. they liked Devo. Yeah. They really liked Devo a lot. And they liked Iron Maiden <laughs> and other random things like that. But uh, this was not one of them. I, I have to take I have to That's take funny. I have to take the kids to school and pick them up and it's two and sometimes three days of the week. And so going in it's like about half an hour and then coming back it's usually closer to forty five minutes just because of the traffic. And, uh, and so, yeah, I usually get to listen to a whole record or, like, back and forth at least once. So, yeah, they did not care for it. I ask, like, I ask, I'm like, hey, what do you think? I, 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 it's good that you engage them. And they were it's like... you engage them with it. <laughs> they're like Roman emperors. Just, just, eh, <laughs> thumbs down. But uh, I will say, like, this is an enjoyable album to do like a long solo, longer solo drive to. This is a good travel album for me. And there are a handful of like travel albums. What's the guy from Screaming Trees? Does anyone here know? Oh, what the hell is his name? Trees? Mark. 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 Yeah. Yes, exactly. I want to say Mark Lonergan. Something like that. Mark Lanigan. Yeah, Mark, yeah, Lanigan. Mark Lanigan. There you go. All right. Yeah. His music is great travel music as well for me. Like, right. just forlorn, like, stuck in between a couple places, like, atmosphere. <laughs> I totally feel, I yeah. feel you on that. I would imagine, I don't, it's, like, rare that I go places alone. So, I, I feel you, though, in theory, right? Like, in my mind, like, this music could be the soundtrack to a montage of someone riding on a train by themselves with with the sun at dusk, sun coming down. That's like the mental space I'm, I'm imagining, the sort of scenery. I, yeah, I feel like this is that sweet spot for that. And it's always pleasant to revisit this album. Every, like, couple of years, I end up, like, maybe every year, maybe every few months sometimes. Like, I end up going through a couple of weeks where it's, this is constantly running in my head in the background and though i listen to other things i come back to this a lot so yeah focusing on this was not a difficult thing for me cutting it was kind of difficult i tried to do some stuff where just cut the sweet spots of the album i'd like the whole thing start to finish 
I think the untitled track at the beginning is a good example of that My Bloody Valentine feeling. Yes. I think Alonzo Black Buzz really makes me think like that transitional period for Radiohead where they're going from like alt-rock band to like electronic alt-band. Black Buzz really makes me think like the bins of Get Computer Radio. What's the, like it, not full out Kid A stuff, but it's starting to hint there. Like, uh, what's the song? Motion Picture Soundtrack? Is that the song? Yeah. Motion Tower. Picture. Yeah. From. Yeah. Okay. It reminds me of that. Yeah. No, I, I definitely. Yeah, it's on feel Okay that. Computer. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's like one of the last tracks. Or maybe like The Tourist also. Yeah. If you remember maybe. that song. Boy, we need to do a day like, right ahead deep dive. <laughs> Someday. Oh, Toma has already done it for us. We can just share Toma's like, <laughs> I love, I, these are the Radiohead tracks that I want to hear now. Yeah. Um, playlist. I feel like that's a great retrospective and they should pay you some I lo- Look, I love like basically all their stuff. Like I think In Rainbows is like yeah. amazing and Hail like, the Thief, all that. Driving. The bands. But for me, the sort of area where they're like untouchable Right and like sort of genius, like at their most creative, amazing is OK Computer Kid A. Those two yeah. together, OK Computer yeah. is like when they refined what they did on the bends, and the songs were even cooler and better and more interesting. And then Kid A is when they took that and then broke it Dis- apart, disassembled, it. disassembled yeah. it, and then and put something back together that sounded amazing and it set the tone for the rest of their career, I think. Do you remember... Jenny has an objection. No, it's not an objection. It was just an observation that... I just, I think I was surprised because immediately, like when that, like when that was posed, I was like, oh yeah, there's one clear answer to this and it's obvious and then it wasn't. So that just surprised me. I, I honestly, I don't disagree with any of that. I just think that if you're going to go for most creative, I think I have to go with King of Limbs because it is just so different. And it, it, it's like nothing is nor, quote unquote, like normal or like ordinary. Everything has such a, a bizarre signature, not everything, but a lot of the songs have such an interesting like signature, time signature. Everything about it is just so crazy. To the point where I am shocked that I like that album because that's normally not my thing, but yeah. it's so well done. So it, like, it, it's not yeah. my favorite album, but when you when it comes to like most out of the box Radiohead, I think I have to go King of Limbs. It's what, what I guess my, what I'm trying to say with all that is what is a bad song? I don't think there's one bad song or not even like a mediocre song on OK Computer Kid A. I I don't like. And I think I listened to it not too long ago, a couple months ago, and just was remember thinking, like, even the hits are weird and cool, right? Paranoid Android has to be one of the, like, weirdest hit, rock hits. It actually charted. I don't know. That's insane to me. Like, it has a weird sound, crazy breakdown, like, at the end? I don't know, man. (laughs) Yeah, I... I remember Kid A coming out. I think, Alonzo, you had come to West Virginia to visit. I was in college, and Kid A dropped, like, that weekend. And I think we spent the entire weekend listening to that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It was a very, yeah, it was a mind-blowing I have enough distance now from Kid A, but I feel like the reason it connected with us is just, like, 
our kind of uncertainty or about knowing what the hell we were doing or what was going on. And it marks a, like a time like, in my life, like yeah. that. I just okay. What I thought I was isn't isn't the case. So what, you know, now well, what? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, I think that's fine. Like that album dropped in a spot where like I know, I knew where I came from, where I w- wasn't where I wanted to be, and where I wanted to be. I know exactly what that was. Right. But I was willing to play around with stuff, and that's exactly what Kid A feels like to me. But, but yeah, Tommy, you got a really good point. Like, King of Limbs is, it's that album where a band did something revolutionary and then spent the next four albums doing that and then got kind of tired of being revolutionary and decided to really settle in to do something completely different. It's a really strange composition of an album, but it's great. Anyway, yeah, back, sorry, like, back, back to... Any other, any, any other band had tried to do yeah. that King of Limbs, I would have hated it. <laughs> if any other band would have tried to do anything Radiohead's done since The Bends, they wouldn't be selling out arenas overnight. Like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be impossible to get tickets to one of their shows. Like, the thing that Radiohead has done that's maybe the most impressive is been unique and experimental and like reflective and and like emotional and sell like a shit ton of albums and tickets and just exist in the public consciousness in a way that like experimental artists like that don't tend to be well okay let's also not forget just by the way okay last this is the end of the radiohead gig section but podcast <laughs> of the podcast where but, we talk about Radiohead for well, No, but okay, this is the thing that people forget. I think they were the first ones to put their album on the internet and say, pay what you want. Yeah, yeah, they were. I, I And that was revolution. Basically, they created the, the whole concept behind, uh, I would say, Bandcamp. Maybe you could even go as far as to say, like, crowdsourcing just generally. And of course, yeah. they capitalized on what they already had, which was fame. Sure. If I put out a record and say pay what you want, no one's going to pay me a goddamn cent because no one knows who the fuck I am. But right. um, still, are we charge people out the ass for this podcast? <laughs> Why are we taking Believe your it. money? Believe it. Yeah. Patreon coming soon. OnlyFans coming later. DM me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so Only coming after OnlyFans or your money back? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that is my only fan. It's just me giving people's money back to them. Okay, so I do want to say now, now to move on to talking about a different other band that's not Lotus Plaza. Yeah, fuck Lotus Plaza. No, it's just I do want to talk a little bit about the Pumpkins because I know that some of these songs aren't like directly related. Like they were like my favorite band growing up. I think as Ryan definitely knows, and both of you probably know, and. I think one of the interesting things about them was they were really different from all the other bands. They didn't really fit. They weren't a grunge band. and They didn't really fit into that scene. They were... Some of their songs were really hard, but they weren't really from that scene. It didn't really come out of that scene. Billy Corgan's voice is nasally and high-pitched and... So it didn't 
fit in with Kurt Cobain and didn't fit in with Pearl Jam and all the Pearl Jam ripoffs. And also, there were songs that were definitely angry, but I feel like most of the songs were like sad. And I think when I was that age, I was more sad than angry. Like the sadness manifested into anger sometimes, but if I had to pick one, I was probably like just more sad. And so like that energy spoke to me. And I feel like when my Billy Valentine, when I first heard it, like that, it spoke to me. Something's wrong and it like manifests itself in this way. And then growing up, like the only acceptable way for a dude to like be upset is to be like angry and aggressive and I'm not saying I wasn't angry. <laughs> I definitely was. <laughs> but my first instinct, I don't think, ever was to be, like, really aggressive. And I think that's probably why that band connected with me and that sound. And it's hard to be... It's easy to be angry in music, especially in rock. Like, it's really easy. You just scream, right? <laughs> like, you just scream and then you, that's what it is. It's, I think, really hard to be sad and interesting. Like, I think of stuff, I think of, like, Elliot Smith, I think of, like, Nick Drake, that had these, like, very kind of unique and instantly recognizable voices. I think of Billy Corgan. I think of others that, like, who are the ones that have, like, actually been successful at doing that, being, being sad but standing out in some kind of way. And... While I think that, like I said, if you told me, is there a bad song on, on this Lowe's Plaza record? I would say, no. There is not a bad song on here. But I don't think his, like, his vocals are fine. And they don't do a ton for me. And, like, certainly the novelty of having the vocals, like, low and muddy in the mix, for me, has worn off. Like, it's been done, and like I said, My Blade Valentine and others, there's like a ton of bands in the early 90s, throughout the 90s that did that sort of thing. I would even say Elliot Smith did sometimes that sort of thing. and So that that's not super interesting to me. Now, let me talk yet again about another band, one that we've done, one that we covered in this pod, which is a VCR Classic, which was one of my picks from uh, a previous pod, which is a Vaporwave band. By the way, they put out their last album as a Vaporwave, last Vaporwave album, just recently. Yeah, it's on Bandcamp, yeah. but it's two bucks, I think. But anyway, and I was thinking about, okay, like I'm thinking about all this stuff incorrectly. I have to approach this like a VCR Classic. Like you're not listening to VCR Classic for the songs, necessarily. Or because there's some interesting thing that's happening and the song's kind of mutating and changing. To me, this fades a little bit more in the background, for me. And on that level, it works. Like, it's really pleasant. It's pleasant. There aren't crazy hard vocals to understand, or there aren't, like, intense lyrics to, like, focus on. I can do other stuff. I can work. And... When I was younger, I think I had a hard time, like, understanding that. <laughs> like, that there is music for this and there's music for that. I think guys like Brian Eno and others were, like, the, the musicians that, like, explained to me finally, hey, like, music can be good if it doesn't necessarily occupy all of your attention. 
Like, there's music for not occupying all of your attention, and it can still be good. It's just a kind of different experience and sort of a different thing. So, like, in the car for me, it didn't do it for me in the car. It did it a lot more for me the last couple days working on random things at my desk. Just playing it. And literally, like, the songs that I picked were like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And then I wrote it down on my little piece of paper over here. And then I transferred the six that I wrote down and put them on the thing. And then that's, yeah, I, that's my approach. That's my, that has been my approach with this record. And that makes sense. I think, like, specifically in that, that last song, Jet Out of the Tundra, there's a lot of space created in that piano work that, like, I really enjoy as a travel album. I think it sounds amazing in the car. I, yeah, I enjoy it. But the thing I think about in terms of vocalists, and I've tried to kind of try to pinpoint where this comes from. Like you say, it doesn't really match up with that Kurt Cobain sound, like that angry kind of rejected sound. But it has its roots in that alternative rock sound of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more on the end of bands like Sonic Youth and the Pixies mm. and like Pavement or even Stephen Malkmus's more modern stuff. Yeah. I think I think they created that space where like you can feel outside of a thing and feel a little dejected about it without feeling that you have to start a fight over <laughs> it. Like you yeah. can kinda have some like sad feelings about things. And I feel like the pumpkins I feel like the pumpkin settled into that. And it's, I think that's where the door comes back for me, where yeah. like the sound that I associate with the pumpkins was like, like the first couple albums, like Gish, Pisces, Iscariot, Siamese Dream, probably more Gish and Pisces, Iscariot is a little bit more of that like punk where, and then they settled into the grunge sound. Yeah. And then post grunge had to figure out what the hell they were going to sound like and it turns out billy corgan or james e like somebody felt real sad and <laughs> they did like in this like kind of angelic sad album and so, those are some of the things i think so, about dude this, so it's funny like, it's so funny it's how like and sad. you you picked out the adora stuff and for me the two songs i added to the playlist to our after party playlist is mm-hmm. the music video for Rhinoceros, which is a song off Gish, off the first Pumpkins mm-hmm. record. And then I made a music video for Daydream, which is the last song on Gish. Because I feel like, spiritually, those songs have like more in common with this stuff. It is super interesting that we just, we picked, we planted our flags same, on different parts of the, the yeah, discography there, the, right? Yeah. To yeah, make the same connection. band, completely different like points in their career. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I think that's the thing that settles with me and why I think it works so good as like an in-between two spaces album yeah. is that it, it feels very like reflective and forlorn but bright. There's so much chorus throughout this whole album. There's that like high end of the guitar like very bright and angelic and a lot of the fills of these really simple pieces it's not some raging guitar solo it's like maybe eight notes eight, eight note arpeggios yeah. that are, are kind of played in succession in this kind of beautiful it, 
there a lot of this album sounds like church bells or something things that i think about when I hear this. I, and that's I, where that atmosphere comes from i noticed that all three of us picked this song and i think jenny if if i'm reading your cut correctly this got this was like your number one song number one rated song evening eveningness yeah i felt like this song yeah that's one of the things about this like i felt like the song went somewhere yeah it did a couple of things it did a couple of things uh, sound like fucking joe pesci uh, <laughs> yeah yeah no but uh, yeah it did it, also this has a music video which is i put it on the playlist we don't have to actually watch it it's pretty stupid and i feel cheated like, <laughs> like is this the like german family traveling around new york video no it's animated i don't know it's not good it's not good and it's a shame really <laughs> honestly like i feel what did you spend on that video and like why don't you give me that money and i'll make you a real fucking video so like the thing that i think about with this album more than anything is we didn't have to get any of this this is a dude's like pet project that happened in a detroit studio that one of his friends owned this feels like such a yeah i think i got some stuff to work out it doesn't have to be like super great and i'm not i don't really want to spend a bunch of time in it. it was play like it was written with the intention to play live but how much how often did lotus <laughs> plaza tour right? I, like, I mean i think they toured back then again this i think that like, they were we, at like one version of levitation back when it was still austin psych fest which makes sense given their sound but other than that i don't, you, I don't think they did heavy touring jenny you never saw them or anything right yeah did we you saw deer we i can't remember i think i saw deer I hunter saw, you saw, i know you saw deer hunter at one two three right wow uh, that would be amazing no but they Guys, I, I had the I once saw a Deer Hunter show for which Atlas Sound was the opener, which is the most meta thing that's ever happened. Okay. Ah. And, and I think I had said, like, why don't you just get Lotus Plaza to be on this bill and we can call it a day? Dude, and that's the ultimate money grab by all members of the band, right? If you're getting paid to be in two two and possibly three bands. Point. I mean, <laughs> it's like the Deer Hunter Festival. Like, we, we, welcome to the Deer Hunter Festival. It's all just going to be us on the stage in different combinations. <laughs> but for the next uh, like five bands, it's all Deer Hunter. Right. That's a money. That's a money grab. Uh, actually, be amazing. Ex exhibit uh, Exhibit brought them on stage. He was like, "Yo, dog, I heard you like some uh, Deer Hunter and your Deer Hunters. We got them all." <laughs> yeah, it is interesting well, to Harry. think about what this would sound like i think it could be executed live certainly and the first record i could imagine that it would be a lot harder to do it just how big of a sound it is but uh, so this is one of those albums that i'd li like and yeah this is I, again mike most of this podcast the thing i'm saying is for the three people that participate in the podcast do you remember toma when one two three would do shows where like local bands would recombine into cover an entire album yeah. this is i'd be happier seeing like, didn't they call it like off the record or something maybe so it been. that happens well, that right. happens that happens in albuquerque i that is a thing here yeah. this album like as much as i would love to see lotus plaza do it I think I would like lose my mind if it was that kind of situation where like a combination of local bands that I really decided, hey, we just want to cover this album. I 
I'd trip over myself trying to give them my money. It would be really fun. If, this would be a fun album to see someone reinterpret. Yeah. It's really, I enjoy listening to it, but it'd be really interesting to see somebody like reinterpret this thing and kind of play it live as their show and, and just call it, just peace out. Uh, that off the record, by the way, like the time they covered OK Computer and it was like, I don't know, like one member from every band I loved in Morgantown, OK Computer, yeah. start to finish. Wow. It was amazing that's cool i know that there was a, there's yeah. a guy there's a guy i know who has like a kind of one man like power pop type of thing band what the hell is it called i can't remember the name of his band anyway javier he's a good dude he he was part of one of those events where they did every song on pinkerton Weezer's album pinkerton which if i would have known they probably could have taken my money <laughs> i know there was a blue album Weezer Blue Album Night for Off the Record at One Two Three. The, the, I can't yeah. remember what appeared with that. I can't remember. I don't think that was the okay. You know, the thing is, sometimes it's dicey the way that goes. It really can be, because it's when it's okay. Would you rather the band played the song the way you've listened to it and like it, or would you rather they play it in some different way? And I'm always torn about that because some bands like do that thing where they'll play their new stuff or they'll play their old stuff but in the style of their new stuff and sometimes yeah. it's a fucking disaster <laughs> yeah i will say that if it's an album i really love i kind of just want to see it like start to finish as that album yeah. live but that's like the kind of purest for that experience in me i know <laughs> but the thing that i will remember more is like someone else's like complete and total reinterpretation of that album whether it's that band or another band if that turns out good that's a thing i'll never forget like yeah. that time when they just absolutely nailed this crazy interpretation of this album yeah like, yeah that's a good point that, that sticks with me more if it's done right if it's done wrong it's the worst so there's it a, like there, a waste of time on so many there, levels so there's a there's a velvet underground cover album like banana album cover album that is about to come out or whatever because the documentary yeah. is about to come out yeah. and i think courtney barnett who i really like i think she's awesome she did i think it's i'll be your mirror and i did not like it <laughs> and it's a part of it is i'm probably not being fair because i've heard the song a million times and it's like basically a perfect song it's two minutes long and you're not gonna i don't know how are you gonna do a better version of that song than the song on the record, I'm not. Sh I'm not even sure because it's got, it's got Nico and it's got the really stripped down and the lyrics are really interesting and I don't know how are you gonna, how are you gonna make that better? It's impossible. And I love Courtney Barnett and I think Kurt Vile's on that record too. Yeah, Matt Berenger. But there's so I just saw a positive review of the Sharon Van Etten and Angel Olsen version of Femme Fatale. I haven't got a chance to listen. to I'm it, afraid. I'm afraid. I'm. I'm really I, afraid. How are I you going to make that one yeah. better? I like the big star cover. Yeah, yeah. So somebody's done a good job with it. <laughs> well, and Alonzo, yeah. didn't you share the Iggy Pop and Matt Sweeney song with me? European Sun? That yes, song? yeah, yeah. That was cool. Now, see, European Sun is, I yeah, think it's that it's not, really... it's not an iconic track. I think it's iconic, but it's so out there that it's open to interpretation. 
But it's like when you take these like little kind of gems and jewels of like a pop song, and then like it's okay. Have you ever heard a Beatles cover better than the original? Have you ever heard one band cover a Beatles song better and it's sounded better than the original? I don't. Um, I can't say. Man, <laughs> I'm gonna say like one of the few Aerosmith songs that I like is "Come Together." Yeah, but is it better than "Come Together"? Is it better than "Come Together" and "Let It Be" or not "Let It Be"? Fuck, Abbey Road. Abbey Road. Yeah. No, probably not. I don't think there's a version that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the Beatles did it perfect, and it's like these are these are carefully manicured, like cultivated little pop songs. And I don't know that maybe that opens up to a larger conversation about covers, just generally. Jesus, I like my I like my singing karaoke like better than a lot of covers. Just because, like, at least it sticks to the song. At least it sticks to like what the song is. I've heard you. I've heard you <laughs> sing karaoke, and both of those things are bold statements. One that is better, and two that it sticks to the song. I think uh, both of those are bold statements. To make I, did. I don't know. Karaoke. I don't know. I haven't. Okay, James is in the chat. I haven't. I haven't done karaoke with James, but I, I do have other people that can vouch for like me being able to carry some kind of tune. High notes fuck me up. So I mean, I'll go into falsetto and sound a little bit ridiculous, Same. but I can carry it too. Same. But, <laughs> all right, so like back to the album. Mm. I really enjoy it. I, like for me, this was a, a lovely little kind of palate cleanser of not challenging at all. Just like very pleasant. <laughs> and, yeah. and I feel like the thing I've been driven a little bit more to think about in this kind of run of our odd view is finding some more challenging stuff like i feel like i'm hitting the notes of oh i, I want to see what they think of this but i'm starting to get to the point of oh this is fucking weird let's see what happens when we introduce this <laughs> and, and i i'm gonna have to find some palate cleansers and i was thinking of this as like this kind of style is not that challenging to the things we listen to. yeah yeah um, there's no doubt i don't dislike this record whatsoever like it's cool it's mellow it's pleasant i think you're right it isn't challenging but and that's fine sometimes i was looking at our I was looking at our at our Freebird slash Flutter songs. I couldn't come up with one, and not because I didn't want to. I like doing the assignment. It's more that I have no idea. And one of the things you said, Jenny, here is like maybe Black Buzz because it's like sufficiently dramatic. And I think maybe this is so part like of. The, it's not. It's maybe this is part of the problem with the record for me. Just generally, is there a song that just like sticks out and makes a statement and i don't know that there is one like specifically maybe black buzz sticks out the most it's like the most different of the other ones and also because i couldn't really or wasn't really paying attention to any of the lyrics i really couldn't say anything about a sweater song and we didn't have any spoken word parts that could help me out or like <laughs> any um songs about bizarre topics i don't know what jet out of the tundra means i was taking it literally yeah <laughs> so yeah i don't know i was befuddled on that piece of the assignment yeah i i don't really i don't know i don't feel like either one of those songs exists on this album <laughs> uh, 
I'd enjoy that. I think I'm bad at interpreting what that means for our podcast anyway. Uh, so I didn't feel an exceptional pressure to find some like deep meaning in any of them to force them into the, either of those categories. Much So the thing is, I didn't want to cut this album at all. Yeah. I really just wanted to talk about how I don't want to cut anything from this album. Start <laughs> to finish, and I can turn my brain off and enjoy it kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I realized that if I didn't cut the album and didn't include a sweater song and a free bird, it's like, why the fuck am I here? <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Yeah, this whole thing is, is pointless if I don't do something. So I have to either one of the two. I either need yeah. to figure out this whole. Yeah. You have I to do. You have to get a fifty. Uh, you have to get like a fifty percent. Yeah, like uh, you were, you yeah. attended. Yeah, I was here. I introduced the thing. I I let the rat loose in the room. But, yeah, um, that's it. Mm. Yeah, Jenny. I don't know. Um, Jenny, you, you you did list monolith as a sweater song. Any thoughts maybe, there? Maybe rhyme or reason. <laughs> Just because all of the lyrics are in the same category of like painting, they paint half of a picture. None of them paint a full picture. They all paint exactly half of a picture. Wow. And all, and of all of them, Monolith was like maybe the closest that I thought came to something that felt sweater song like. Okay. But it was, they're all close. Wow, okay. Oh, I just. I guess it's. it's okay. The thing. You know what I'm saying? Here's a. So the lyrics to the song are There's no world and no God and no hate and no fraud and no faith and no God. It's just me getting high. Okay. Right, so there's. I think I, I, I think part that, of it I was just that. that it had that same. It had the same rhythm to it. The like, oh no. It's like just the two or three syllables in a line. Part of it was that. If I, I guess. If Got I, it. Okay. All right. He's declaring that there's no but God. Also, like, what does any of that mean? Uh, yeah, I'm just saying that, but I don't feel like it's a big treatise on like the not. He's not really getting in depth about why he. I think it's just like, a line that he's throwing out there. I, I and I think the chorus is like the chorus to the song is one of the high points of melody in this entire yeah, album. Yeah. Like it just yeah, it's in my it's cut like this wave of happy that kind of sounds there like the sound is the super kind of happy like explosion it's just yeah. this, it's like the moment in a musical when like suddenly the entire restaurant breaks in the song like yeah. the chorus makes me think of that it's also very yeah one of these days maybe i could come around like, <laughs> like, some of the other lyrics it, in here too are pretty okay. like Hey, somewhere outside, and I wish I could be there most of the time. It's like the least, yeah. like, taking any kind of position. <laughs> I wish I could be there somewhere outside most of the time. Not all the time. Yeah. Like it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, outside is nice. But inside uh, has its merits as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mo mo it's called Monolith. I thought maybe, I don't know, is he talking about the Monolith in 2001? Or. No way. <laughs> I mean,. So the one thing we can say about this album is it uh, is up to you, the listener, to determine what the fuck any of it's about. <laughs> Stop being passive and just define this shit for Locket Punt because he can't. He didn't. He didn't define any of it. I I think it's funny to think about him making this album as something like more simple to approach playing live. Yeah, and it, it doesn't like it's 
it's like an amorphous blob that fits in whatever like box you drop it into. Right. It's like, right. oh yeah, I'm a square now. Ah, it's a star. But instead, it just keeps getting dropped into like square boxes. All the boxes are shaped the same. I can be anything. I can play all this amazing stuff. <laughs> Here I am, playing in this square box again for the tenth track in a row. But tell me, you don't love it? So, so here's the thing, right? You're just, you're just saying that made me all think of all, think of this. I agree, though, that, yeah, the output here is cool and, and interesting. But people like that, they make me angry. Not sad, angry. Just generally. Like, people that can't have any kind of position or take no position. And it's interesting because sometimes I've heard people say, no, that, that they're just being stoic or they just don't give a fuck or whatever. And I, I think my lizard brain wants to say... No, it's because they're just fucking insanely shallow and have nothing to add because they literally haven't thought about anything. And so I don't know this guy and I'm sure he's very sophisticated and, and whatever, and that's cool. But the wishy-washy outside's cool and inside's cool, that, that stuff, it does anger me. If I meet people like that, like I, I try to sabotage. This, this is like just my, again, lizard brain. Like I just try to sabotage the situation and get them to take a position. Like, <laughs> I think that Lockett is just one of those people who expresses himself a lot better through music than he does with words. I think you can boil it down to that. Mm. Which is, yeah, no, which is, which is cool. Which is cool. I'm just reflecting I mean, on my he, own BS. Oh, sure. <laughs> at, at its core, that's really what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes I, I think that to my prior point, like, if the music wasn't as strong as it was, it would bother me more. It's, mm -hmm. not, that, it's not that I disagree with you. Mm -hmm. I, I think the lyrics could definitely be better, but I would be madder about it if the music didn't do all the heavy Right, right, right. Yeah, um, I, I, this, I this album is that. one that you... This album really is one for me that, like, that I really can just vibe to. And, and there is a part of me that definitely feels like if you aren't Jason Molina level on your lyrics, then I don't really care about them. It either be real good or- <laughs> Get out of the way. So, <laughs> yeah. But this one is one that like, while it is repetitive, like I don't disagree with that at all, that's true. I think that it is incredibly vibe. Well, I'm really just doing my album wrap up now. Uh, whatever. Okay, I gotta, go for it, go for it. Roll right into um, it, go for it. Very smooth. It, it is the kind of atmospheric music that you can, if this is your kind of thing, which it happens to be mine, like it's just endlessly vibable um, all the time. I'm, I have never, this has never come on and I've been like, ah, oh, shit, not that, you know, <laughs> I'm tired of it, that doesn't yeah. happen. And there are maybe at most like one or two songs that I might skip if the phone was right there or if it was like easy to do but if it involved like reaching I probably wouldn't skip any at all which is not something that I can say too often I'm pretty particular and picky in that aspect it, 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 it has its it has its quirks but for what it is if you appreciate that kind of thing and again I fortunately do it really fills it really fills a certain niche very well. It does a great job at this very limited function that it does. So right. I think mathematically, if I just did my mouth calculations earlier, it came out to a four point two five, but there's a couple like five five star songs on here. That doesn't happen often either, that there's multiples of those. And I agree that 
Desire Lines is one of my favorite Deer, ha Deer Hunter songs ever. And I would love to see more of that kind of complexity out of Blockett. Even though I love this album and I love like the style of what he did, I also like his more complex stuff too. I think he can be good at both when he wants to be. But yeah, no, it's just, it's a really, it's a really, a really nice, like comforting, familiar album that I'm always happy to revisit. So thanks, yeah. thanks for bringing this one up, Lewis. It's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Alonzo, you want to? Sure. Wanna... Yeah, sure. Yeah. All the things I said. And I would say I'm feeling like a three, five for me. I'm not going to be upset when it comes on. There's at least one song here for me i feel like is a keeper like for down the line at maybe eveningness maybe black buzz it's hard for me to say but i i have a playlist that i make of just songs that i can use for reference for like a future like creative project and if there's a song that comes out of this process like for me like on that level that's a huge plus Never even heard of Lotus Plaza. Didn't even know Homeboy had a side project band. And so it was cool. I think that you guys should definitely, if you haven't, check out the previous album, which is called The Floodlight Collective. Um, is it What Grows, I think, is my favorite off that one? Yeah, White Out is my favorite off that one, but it's a really cool, really awesome record. I, I really actually, I like that a little bit. I think I prefer that a little bit more. Um, yeah, White Out sticks out for me as uh, one of the tracks that I remember for sure. Yeah, but but yeah, no, it's cool. I dig it out of camaraderie and with, with my people here. I feel slightly guilty I didn't give it a better rating, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my heart. I'm gonna go with my heart and say 3.5. Not everything is for everybody. Sometimes I feel like I really should have liked something more, but I just didn't quite. You know, it's the way it goes, you know. It's the way it goes. Yeah, I like. I don't know. I think because I don't dial in to the level that Toma dials in. I think this is largely like in that five range for me. This album, it's not. There's rarely anything I skip on this album at all. I find it repeating for hours without the decision to move on to something different. I'm always like fighting the urge to, like if I have to stop the album and it happens to be at a time where it's gone to the next track, I'm always excited to hear the next track that never goes away. This is, I think there's not a genre that could encompass the five-star albums of my life. Like <laughs> the things that I enjoy perfectly every time. There's not a singular like vibe or mood that encompasses that. And this is one of those like Desert Island albums. This is, yeah, taking this album out of my life would be the worst because there's so many moments of it that like this feels just so emotionally on point. Yeah. I really love it. Like, I love this album start to finish. It's a five-star album for me. I will never not enjoy listening to it. Right on. You know what I was thinking about, Ryan? I bet this... I bet, like, this song... I bet it would be easy to... play. Yeah. Like, how hard would this song be to play? It's like the chords here are not that... There's no, not much going on here. You could literally yeah, I mean, program... A pretty, a, you could literally program a drum... Cool, like drum machine yeah. loop 
And a, a lot of the like fancy, like kind of note dancing, that seconding that you're hearing, that's an echo pedal. That's just, that's an echo on a note that's being played in a very like simple pattern. Right? I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that I feel like we could, I, I, I can I can program the drum machine and sing because the singing yeah. is not hard here. Yeah. It's just like breathy, tons of reverb and like the range is yeah. e e easily, hopefully within yeah. my range. And then it would not be a hard song to put together to just play. And I think that could be cool. That could be fun. It's been yeah, a long time since I've, I've done music live or anything like that. Yeah, it'd be a blast. Yeah, I like this song's a really good example of this whole album is a really good example of how pleasant simplicity can be for me. Like when you when a, a sound is really dialed in, it doesn't have to do anything breathtaking. It can just create like a perfect atmosphere and make me happy perpetually. And this album is that. Whatever that feeling is that's both like happy and reflective and like sad and like, I don't know, un like it's hard to get in. Uh, it's hard for me to have a term for what this album is, but it's just perfect. So I, I'm very pleased with it. Okay, dude, that's freaking awesome. I'm, honestly, I'm happy to hear, even if I don't totally get it, I'm, I'm happy to hear like people being so into something because I, I feel like I also have these like secret things <laughs> that, that I'm really into. And uh, like, it's nothing to be like, I don't know. Like it's nothing, it's like something to celebrate like when you you have that kind of deep affection and it means like something more, right? And, and where some people don't necessarily understand it completely. It's like your secret. And so I'm happy you shared this little secret with the world, or at least with the two of us. And, and yeah, to, I've and, stepped out of the Lotus Plaza closet and, and really let everybody know how fucking in love with this album. Yeah, yeah. right on. And anyway, hey, real quick, can we do a what, you know, I don't know what we want to call the segment, what you've been fucking with recently? Shout out what you've been fucking with recently, because I do want to talk about something, just very briefly. Yeah. So, we did 48 Hour, right? So, I have two shout outs. One, go watch Mike Mysteries. <laughs> I don't know where it will be. I can't post it on YouTube or anything yet. Because Look, it's a scavenger hunt for a movie. Eventually, it will be on YouTube. So, eventually, it's a pod, so people can listen to it at different times. Go on YouTube, sure. type in Mike sure. Mysteries, see what happens. Yeah. I can't imagine there's other videos named Mike. I don't know. Anyway, it's a mockumentary. Myself, Ryan, and 13 other people made it together in 48 hours. It came out really funny, and I am super proud of it. And shout out to all the actors. I think James in the chat. Shout out to James. He did an amazing job. And... Yeah, everyone, yeah, and Adrian, who played the lead as Mike Mystery, that was pretty awesome. My guy Damien, who is already being typecast in the every creative video creative endeavor I've done as a creepy guy. Thank you for being super patient and uh, like awesome and willing to just do, to be down and do whatever. And basically, shout out to everyone willing to be down and to do whatever because that wouldn't have worked any other way. Couldn't, like. have, couldn't have worked any other way. And, there, uh, I, the way that people stepped up when other people were had to step back for various exhaustive reasons. Yeah, it really worked out incredibly well. And yeah, I didn't think a group of that many people could come up with something so fun and 
funny. Shout out to Jay. Shout out to Jay, who basically did 99% of the editing, or at least like most of the heavy lifting of the editing. Karen for doing the camera work. For doing the camera work, it was like doing, yeah, really awesome. And and then everyone that came up with the concept. I think Ryan, it was like, so what we did was we had everyone submit like log lines, basically one sentence descriptions of what they thought we should do. And so we had to go through 60 log lines and debate those and we got them down. And then I think one of the, what we ended up picking, I think Ryan was partly your idea and then was combined with someone else's idea, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, and the person that, that, you know, one of the other ideas that didn't make it out, like the person that came up with that idea did a really good job of banging it and banging this thing into a, a workable storyline. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like that. That really made a, a big difference that she was willing to do. Oh yeah, Hel- yeah, Helen, yeah, Helen put it, Helen, got t- took Helen the did. basic concept and then put it together, it developed it a little bit more, and uh, yeah, no, every, man, everyone did a awesome job. Yeah. I'm super, super proud of of what we did. If we didn't, if we don't win a fucking award for that thing, dude, I don't even know, man. Like seriously, I don't even know. The the people I've shown it to, which has only been like a handful of people everyone comes away laughing like it's great like it it's really enjoyable i can't wait to be able to share it i think that and so yeah premiere is next saturday at the guild theater and so i'm gonna be there (laughs) and the the other thing is the thing i always tell people like is look we did this funny thing it was funny and we did it in two days there are professional comedy writers and performers that have seven days to come up with an episode of Saturday Night Live and 95 at least 95 percent of that shit is like fucking whack and not funny hooray for us okay (laughs) hooray for us all right so now that we've what what else have you been fucking with Mm. what that you didn't make haven't have you been fucking with a short documentary on YouTube it's called Dirty Girls it was shot in 1996 and it's about a group of girls in a high school that are a little bit of outcast riot girls and i thought it was fantastic and it brought back a lot of memories <laughs> like of being a high school outcast and yeah. and yeah no it was a really beautiful thing it was really cool go check nice. that out it's called dirty girls it's on youtube and and uh, yeah i mean yeah, it just brought back, it like just had the right feeling. It felt like high school felt to me back in the day. So, anyway. Nice. Tell me. What you been fucking with? I'm going last. Oh, you're going last. <laughs> All right. Fine. Yeah. Fine. I'll just come up with I've something now with on the fly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. So, like, musically, what I've been fucking with has largely been Lee Scratch Perry's Super Ape album. Ooh which is a fantastic example of dub reggae that just like start to finish is, is fantastic r.i.p at least scratch berry yeah r.i.p yeah and the and the upsetters super ape i think in 2008 there was like a remastered version i know there's a remastered version floating around and it's fantastic cool this british i guess house dance idm band called isles or no, I'm sorry, Bicep. The name of the album is Isles. And it sounds like, it sounds like a little bit like Aphex Twins ambient work, like selected ambient works one. And 
yeah, it's fantastic. Like start to finish, it's really good electronic music. Yeah, and in terms of other media, I've been really enjoying Reservation Dogs on Hulu. Oh yeah. It's so good. It's so funny, and it it takes a thing that may be regarded as very precious and presents it as a very like natural and normal like. <laughs> situation it's it doesn't pretend to be magical it doesn't pretend to be like exclusive it actually feels like even though like the culture may be a little bit different it reminds me so much of where we come from dude behaviors yeah i so i've watched the first couple episodes katie has actually watched she's skipped ahead and watched like up this i think season or episode five but yeah, it's where we are. It's yeah. yeah, it's great, and yeah, I think that was a, that's a really good point. It does feel like how we grew up in some ways. It feels like that, and it reminds me. There's this other uh, book and also movie called Smoke Signals by yeah yeah. Oh, what's the dude's name? Alexi Sherman, maybe Alexi. That's right. But anyway, yeah. Where it, it, it so what it does is it presents like native people's stories, but like. In, with without the sort of what over sincerity and drama dramatization and yeah. tells it in like plainly with people that can have a laugh and and then, and yeah I think this does a very similar thing and it's a really cool show J Jenny have you seen it yeah absolutely yeah. we are we are watching it Chris puts it on and then Chris puts on a lot of stuff mm -hmm. uh, which I enjoy at varying levels mostly not a whole lot but like <laughs> reservation dogs is, is one Chris. of the better ones yeah. <laughs> no it's not his fault it's just me I'm, I'm not much of a tv person but the, yeah. the one other thing that he's put on that i haven't minded like i've yelled at the tv sometimes because it gets like it gets to be a bit much at, from at time to from time to time yeah but we're watching dave i don't know if you guys have tuned into dave yeah, I have Dave. seen. I have yeah. seen Dave. Yes. There's a finish. Yeah, that was fun. That whole music video about the about his time, his little imaginary jaunt to prison, like really got me. Oh yeah, yeah. that's from the end of season one. Yeah, that shit was pretty hilarious. And yeah. uh, watch him just like he he his character is obnoxious at times, and I have a low tolerance for that. But yeah. There's moments of, of pure comedy. They did make an episode about like basically his fetish of getting jerked off through like a hole in a table yeah. yeah yeah which is pretty that's that's pretty bold i don't know how many people get away with that on like tv tv i gotta um, grab some food yeah but i got a delivery coming in okay cool i'll be right back yeah yeah but anyway okay so dave is that what you fucking what you're fucking with and dogs and then to lesser extent i think we just wrapped up a season of dave um, i think TV wise, Chris is watching Sex Ed right now. It's whatever. It's fine. I don't know. I'm not in. I, I, I don't it's know fine. I don't leave the room when it's on, but I also don't have that level of affinity for it either. Yeah. Jillian Anderson is in some British like teenage drama. It, it's ridiculous. Sh yeah, yeah. Hey, shout out to the, the film filmers dudes. They are doing. I think next next week sometime. I don't know what day, but they are reviewing a movie called Another Round. Which, I don't know if you've seen that. So the, the premise of it is Danish movie, Mads Mikkelsen's in it, and... 
Oh, Mads Mikkelsen. That's yeah. right. I was like, it sounds familiar, but I couldn't for the life of me. So the premise is basically like that these dudes like get together and they realize that life is like better if they're like a little drunk. And so they just keep it going as long as they can. <laughs> Great premise. Not also not also definitely a thought I've had in the past. Of, we could do that for Austin, guys. We can just be a little bit. I, I know. I've, I've had that thought. I really have. Just I think it could. Yeah. There's something to this. I don't know about long term, but at least for like long periods of time, I think something to that. I'm definitely a better human being when I have a slight little, just a little, like. It's a bell curve. It's possible to you get to a point where it drops. I don't think, and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I've ever been an angry drunk or a violent drunk or anything like that. I feel like when I get there, I just get happier, but like less capable of doing things and less capable of forming sentences. But if I'm just... That's my experience, yeah. If I'm just like a little, like I'm still reasonably sharp, but also a little bit loose, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm just better as a human being in that state. But am I willing to push my body like to maintain that state just going forward? Nah, I don't know. I also get hungover way easier, and it's like way worse. I don't know. That's real. That's it's fucking old. I get man. drunk a lot faster anymore these days. The other, the only other thing I've really been fucking with lately, which has cut back on the amount of time to fuck with stuff I'd really like to be fucking with is the Supreme Court's 2019 decision in Kaiser v. Wilkie, but that will come to an end soon. But lastly, and segueing into where we ought to be, where we ought to be headed at this point, I I don't know if I told you guys if I explained this whole thing, but somebody made a, a big playlist. I think maybe Levitation made a big playlist of all two two or so songs from every band who was on the lineup for the whole week. Nice. And I listened to the whole thing through at least twice maybe a little bit more which is easy it's hard i feel like it's when i'm listening to something for the pod it's harder to do i can't do other things while i'm doing it i have to sit there and pay attention mm -hmm. and take notes and it's like yeah. hard to really find that kind of time but yeah this is the sort of thing where i can just throw on the playlist and do other stuff and like when something from time to time something will get my attention i'll be like oh okay that's on so it's like easy, yeah. you know low effort listening so i like whittled it down to maybe 15 or so songs that like really stuck out from that playlist and one of them was from holy wave who i'm now fucking real hard with lately musically it's like an obsession this last two weeks nice. i am going to see them in philly on saturday so long as it doesn't get COVID canceled, which I don't think mm. it will. And they are actually playing Levitation, but tickets for their show sold out like immediately. So I don't know if, if the opportunity presents itself, I might, but we're going to see them on, on Saturday. So it doesn't make a difference if I don't catch them in Austin. So yeah, a, I'm real like hardcore. a recommended entrance album we, or song. I do. And it's actually going to be the assignment for next time. Um, which segues us very sorry. neatly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's fine. Segues very neatly into uh, what I ought to be doing, which is handing that out right about now. Yes. Um, I want to do. They and I will say, if you, I'm sorry that it's a little bit like like this Loda Plaza album, and like in that sense that it is a little repetitive and it is a vibe. 
I think it's a little, it's going to be a little easier for you, Alonzo, than maybe this was. I mm. could be wrong about that. And if so, sorry about that. And I'm also sorry to make this so white two weeks in a row. <laughs> uh, it's, white hey, dude, I, I've said this before on the pod, but I love all my gringos, man. And that's just, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. But it's timely, and I'm still on my artist that we're going to see soon kick, and so now's the time. And also, it's just it's all great. Mm. What I will say is that if this, if this album is the one that I've picked is a little much for you, Alonzo, you should go back and listen to, like, their, they have one or two earlier ones, which I think are much more your speed. There's a song they do on one of the first albums, I think it's Relax, called Albuquerque Freakout, which... <laughs> Is, is really tickling and it was tempting yeah. to choose that one because I think it might be more your thing but <laughs> since I'm picking yeah. we're going to do 2016's Freaks of Nurture Freaks of Nurture what a great yeah. album title that is too <laughs> it's really funny yeah cool I've, I've been vibing on it real Rever- so they're that album came out from Reverberation Appreciation Society I think yeah They've um, been, I think, pretty closely tied into this whole back when yeah. it was Psych and now Levitation. They're pretty closely tied into all that. They're from El Paso. Yeah, yeah they um, they di- they put on some really good streaming stuff over the last like year and a half, I think. Yeah, they've but, got a few bands that are really interesting, like Acid Dad. Ty Siegel did some Levitation stuff. I think Fuzz there they did a Levitation album on that record label too yeah there's a lot of quality stuff i'm all about i'm all about the psychedelic indie whatever and you know what let me just add that it'll be my pick next time and i'll just throw a fucking bomb on everything and yeah. <laughs> and it's all good yeah all good. and then i'll have to follow that bomb <laughs> it's easier to follow a bomb than like a kill i think Maybe, unless you're trying to drop another bomb. (laughs) 